What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And we're going to start real quick here with just a friendly reminder for all of our listeners out there. If you enjoy the show but have not yet subscribed to our premium content on Podbean, uh, give it a try today. It's only $2. That's it. $2 a month through the entire football season. And by signing up, you're going to get exclusive content that cannot be accessed anywhere else. All you have to do is go to our Twitter page at, uh, at Glory underscore UGA. Click on the Podbean link in our profile. Scroll down a little bit towards the bottom of the page and click the Buy Now button. It's a yellow button that says Buy Now. And then fill out your payment info and you are good to go. Uh, and the entire process, man, it's quick. It literally takes under a minute. I timed myself going through the whole process and it was under a minute. Uh, and we're also offering a free trial for the first week. So if you enjoy the show and want more of our content, just uh, give it a shot. Uh, and it will definitely help us try to continue to produce the show as we've done for the past three or four years here. Uh, I do also want to give everyone uh, a heads up that we are working on a few things behind the scenes right now and are very close to an announcement uh, that I hope a lot of you are going to like. All I can really say right now is that certain things have been agreed on and we're just kind of waiting for the official papers to be sent to us. We hoped to have everything in place by today's show, but that didn't it didn't quite work out like we were hoping. Um, but these things just take a little bit of time. But hopefully, we're very hopeful that we'll have some more news to be able to officially share with you early next week that, again, we think you'll like. So be looking out for that hopefully sometime next week. I do also, again, want to let everyone know uh, that we will be running our final preseason listener mailbag early next week. So send in all of your final preseason questions to us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. We're going to be recording this show Sunday, so try to get those into us before that time. I know we have the the second scrimmage of fall camp this Saturday. We'll probably have some news coming out of camp uh, after that. So if you uh, have some questions that you hear from there, try to get those into us before Sunday so we can uh, prepare a little bit and put together a, a good show for you guys. So just a heads up there. And with all of that out of the way, let's go ahead and get into the good stuff. Let's get into the stuff you came here to listen to today. And today's show... We're going to try to have a little fun here today. Uh, we thought we thought this would be a fun show to do, and hopefully it'll be also fun for you guys and, and just enjoyable to listen to. And as many of you as many of you know, those of you who have kids definitely know this, or maybe some of you who are, are still in school, or maybe you are like me, you just live in Athens, and I noticed it suddenly takes you at least twice as long to get anywhere in town with all the students back in town. Uh, but this is the time of year where everyone, at least the people who are still in school, Across the state is starting to go back to school. Clark County started back last week. Uh, UGA started this week. It's just that time of year. And, of course, part of going to school is taking tests. Those summative evaluations that, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I know that I hate it, and uh, maybe some of you are still taking them, and you still hate them. And they all, you know, those tests, they allegedly measure a student's level of mastery of a given topic, all that good stuff. Uh, So with that in mind, what I did here is I developed a test of my own. Now, it's not the typical test you take in school. This is a Georgia football test, and I'm going to administer this to Curtis here just before the start of the season. Now, like most tests, it is a mix of various question types. There's a multiple choice section. There's a true-false section. Even a little fill-in-the-blank section, which I think is pretty tough. Only a couple questions in the fill-in-the-blank, but they're pretty tough. And, of course, since I constructed the test, that means I also created the answer key. Now, these are preseason projections, which means they are certainly very subjective. 
There's no doubt about that. So the answer key, I just want to put this little caveat out there. It's my personal perception of things. And all of you are free to disagree with me. But at the end of the day, while my answer key very well could be flawed, probably is a little bit, it's my test, so we're going to go with my answers on this. So Curtis's job, at least if he wants to retain his dog card and his place on this podcast, is to pass the test, which if you remember back to your school days, means a 70% or higher. So Curtis, I'm, I'm setting the standard real low for you here, bud, but you only need to get 14 of the 20 to pass. So here we go. Kurt, you ready? Yep. All right. Question number one on your Georgia football preseason exam, Kurt. Who on the 2018 Georgia football team is the most undervalued player? Is it A, J.R. Reed, B, Lamont Gilliard, C, Jonathan Ledbetter, or D, Tyreek McGee? Kurt, what is your answer? I'm going to go with B, Lamont Gilliard. I think Ooh, he is okay. able of the uh, offensive line. I think the biggest thing is J.R. Reed, he is, he's not undervalued. I mean, he's vast. I think he's more valued than what Lamont Gilliard does. Uh, bring, I mean, yeah, I remember last year ESPN, a bunch of those places ran a bunch of things on J.R. Reed, how you know his, he had one of the highest tackle percentages in the SEC and things like that. So, I mean, he was, he was garnering attention. And I think Lamont Gilliard is the one person that doesn't garner any attention, really, for what he does and uh, what he brings to the uh, offensive line. And now, right now, he's probably the most experienced offensive lineman we have. Do you think Lamont Gilliard is good enough to be an undervalued player? Because I, I, I tend to agree that he is a good player, but there are some out there. Now, I mean, the fringe fans, but that like to criticize him for his play on the interior of the offensive line. Do you think he's good enough? I think he's given us more stability there than we've had since uh, probably last that uh, we haven't had since David Andrews left. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. I mean that wasn't too long ago, but you're right. There was a gap there. Yeah, I mean, particularly Kublano, yeah. was always getting blown up in the backfield. He was causing a lot of problems, bad snaps, yeah. things like that. So he's actually, I mean, at least solidified that position to where we he had have, to get um, he had to get some help on the interior quite a bit, which which made us vulnerable other spots. This was Lamont's last, last year was his first first year at center second year on the offensive line and so i mean he was still learning that position but for that to be his first time at center i thought he held his yeah. own very well especially later in the season some of those big runs we're having up the middle were coming behind him the guard yeah remember uh we recruited this guy as a defensive tackle if you remember back in the day man it was a while ago um showing my age here a little bit but we recruited him as a defensive tackle came in and pretty quickly transferred tra- uh, moved him over to the offensive line uh, but he's been he's been a rock there for us. When he first started, I wasn't so sure he was going to be a long term solution anywhere in the offensive line. He was playing guard there for a while, but I think he really settled into a home at center. Do you do you feel more comfortable with him there at center than he was at guard? Yeah, I really do. I think uh, I think while he's big, he's not big enough truly for what we want yeah. to do at the guard position. No, he's not. The center position, he's you know he's right about. He's a right pretty position. big center. I mean, he's a good size center. He's not not like not the yeah. biggest center, yeah, but he, he bigger than most. Great. He didn't move great either at guard. I mean, he moved well, but not as good as others are. So I think center was the perfect balance for all of his attributes. Yeah. So uh, I agree with you. Lamont Galliard was the correct answer here. I I'll be honest with you. There's a couple of these questions that I went back and forth on myself. Uh, for for a second, initially when I looked at this question, when I wrote this question, I was thinking John Ledbetter because I don't think he gets enough attention uh, because I think what he does uh, is is outstanding. I think he he plays he plays that five tech defensive end spot for us uh, at an expert level. I mean, his ability to set the edge and slide inside on on passing downs and kind of and be able to rush a passer from the interior there. Some of those cheetah looks. 
I, I think he just does so much for it. Now, he doesn't get the sack numbers, and when you play a defensive line, and most people are still stuck in the old 4-3 mindset where the defensive end's a pass rusher, right? And yeah. even though we run a different scheme, they hear defensive end, and they go, John Leather is supposed to rush the passer. And when he doesn't put up huge sack numbers, they kind of get down on him a little bit. I think he's kind of just an afterthought. But I think he does an outstanding job at what he's asked to do. Uh, J.R. Reed's another guy that I, I that I really considered strongly for this spot because I don't think he's a flashy guy. He's not the biggest guy out there. Was the most highly rated recruit uh, when he transferred in from Tulsa. He was really just an afterthought for many people out there. But I think he's become a rock in our back end. But I I agree. I think the reason I went with Lamont Gilliard is because you're right. J.R. Reed got some love last year, right? Yeah. Uh, not from everyone, but he got some love. And let's not forget that JRE was named to the preseason All-SEC first team that final day of SEC media days. So he's clearly getting some national attention. Whereas Lamont Gellier, I don't think anyone nationally really or anyone within the pro, within the Georgia uh, media sphere was really talking much about Lamont Gilliard, but I think he does a really solid job. Is he, is he the best offensive lineman that we've that, that we've ever had, or the best one on this team? No, he's not. But I think he does a really good job for us and probably deserves a little bit more love than what he gives. I do think he's undervalued. I think all these guys are undervalued, but I think Gilliard is the correct answer here. All right, next question. Uh, this is an interesting one, I think. Uh, question number two. So you're one for one. Question number two. Which of the following is most likely to happen? A, DeAndre Walker gets 10 sacks this season. B, DeAndre Swift rushes for 1,346 yards, which would be one more yard than Nick Chubb rushed for last year, who was our leading rusher in 2017. Uh, C, Jake Fromm throws for 3,500 yards. Or D, any wide receiver on our team goes for over 1,000 yards. Kurt, which one of those four is most likely to happen? I have to go with the Swift, um, and I think the biggest reason for that is what I think he'll get around the same amount of carries as what Chubb did. I think the one thing that hurt Chubb was sometimes in these bigger games, he wasn't as uh, versatile. I mean, he couldn't, you know, he's especially in games like Alabama and, you know, some of the Auburn games that you saw against him, was some of the difficulties he has against some of those big-time teams that are a little bit quicker. And I think and that's why I go with that. And I think from while he could have the yardage, I think the fact uh, that you also have to uh, – put in how much playing time Fields is and how many reps and opportunities that's going to take away from Fromm, realistically. Okay. And I think a Walker, Tim Sachs, he could do that. But like, you know, last year our leading sack uh, guy was Roquan Smith. And I don't... Six and a half. Yes. One year he had six. Only one. Too many guys. I think this is a tough question because you say about Swift, which what you said with Fromm, I mean, one of the things you said was Justin Fields might eat into some of his time, right? And how, and how many opportunities we have to get the 3,500 yards. But could you not say the same thing about DeAndre Swift with the stable of backs we have and no one's necessarily really uh, – no, no one's coming back as the guy. They're all kind I mean, of vying to be the that, guy. But last year you had Chubb, Sony, Swift getting quite a few carries and you still even had Harry and Holyfield. And you had two guys go for 1,000 yards. Yeah, we did. We had two guys go for 1,000 yards. But you think Swift, So you think Swift can overtake what Chubb had last year? Realistically, yeah. I mean, if you look at the carries he had in the yards per carry last year, I think that's why you have to give him the opportunity that more realistic to do that. This is one I also went back and forth on. I started with Fromm. I thought that was the one I was going to go with. Uh, and really, what my thinking here was, because I don't think I would project, honestly, to be real with you, I don't think I would project any of these to actually happen this year. 
I don't. Yeah, I, realistically, I honestly don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't think any blood. four of those. I don't think. I think DeAndre Walker's gonna be really good. I don't know if he gets ten sacks. I think DeAndre Swift's gonna be really good. I don't think he rushes for thirteen hundred yards. I think Jake Fromm is gonna be awesome. I but I'm with you. I don't, is he gonna throw for thirty five hundred yards with with Justin Fields? Probably likely to get some playing time. I don't know about that. He threw for twenty six hundred last year. Now I'll say Fromm. If you look at it last year. He only he, he was tenth in the SEC in attempts per game. He, he had 19 attempts per game, but he was second in yards per attempt. So he didn't throw it much, but when he did, he was amassing chunks of yardage. Uh, so I, I think there's a chance to get. I think he could get to 3,000 yards. Yeah, I think 3,000 yards is. I think he's going to get 3,000 yards because if you believe like a lot of us do that he's going to have more command of the offense as a sophomore uh, with the more dynamic options we have wide receiver that we're going to loosen the reins a little bit. And I think we'll throw the ball much closer to 50-50 this year. And I don't think it's going to be exactly 50-50. We'll still probably lean towards the run. But last year, we were like 64-36 run to pass. We were 64% run, 36% pass last year. And I believe that Fromm has a decent shot to hit 3,000 yards. I think he'll probably hit that. 3,500, though, that's pushing it, man. Like, that's that's legit stuff right there. So I, I just don't know if I see that. And you're right. The receivers, it's happened once in UJ history. With all the options we have, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I ultimately, you are correct, by the way. I landed on Swift as well. I thought about that. I went back and forth in this. But uh, I landed on DeAndre Swift being most likely to get 1,300 yards out of those four options. I don't feel confident saying he's going to do that, but mm, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, all right. Question number three here. Two for two so far. Who is the most important, not necessarily the best, but the most important player on the 2018 Georgia football team? Is it A, DeAndre Baker? Is it B, Jake Fromm? C, DeAndre Swift? D, DeAndre Walker? Or I'll give you an E on this one, none of the above. Um, I'm going with DeAndre Baker, and I think the main reason for that is um, he's one of the most experienced people coming back in the secondary. Um, right now, we're it does we're not sure who's going to be the other corner, and that could be very easily be a true freshman, Tyson Campbell, or someone who who truly doesn't have a full year of playing the cornerback position, and Mark Webb or someone like that. So I think his, his position is going to be really crucial, you know, especially if we're going to need him to be the shutdown guy. Yeah. Um, so th- I think that's really why you have to go with him. I mean, from like you said, I mean, he's a leader and everything, but he's going to be sharing reps, Swift, same thing, Walker. I mean, he's important, but I think no one's more important than uh, you saw what happened last year. The pass is really what was our down. Stopping the pass was what was our downfall last year. I definitely agree with you, man. You got this one correct. Uh, I, th- I thought this was a really tough one. Um, I think all of these guys are important to our success. But when talking about most important, again, not best player, most talented player, most important player, I look at it from a standpoint of if a guy goes down, how much of a drop-off is there from him to the guys replacing him? I think Fromm is very good and very important for us. But if he goes down, do you not have a a fair amount of confidence in Justin Fields to not miss much of a beat there? You do. And I think you can say the same things with DeAndre Swift and DeAndre Walker. If, if Swift goes down, so we got we got plenty of running backs that can kind of pick up the slack there. He might be a little bit better than all of them, maybe, potentially. But I don't think there's going to be much of a drop-off if he goes down. DeAndre Walker, same thing. If he goes down, he's probably better and more experienced than a guy like Britton Cox uh, and Walter Grant. But I don't know if there's going to be that much of a drop-off once those, once those guys get in and get their feet wet. But with DeAndre Baker, I think schematically on defense, with Kirby's Rip Liz scheme that we, that we rely on so much, we rely on having elite uh, man-to-man guys at corner that can really play pattern match, which is basically like matchup zone in basketball. In this scheme, you're playing you're playing zone, but you play man on the guys in your zone. And if we're playing pattern match, like for example, if the wide receiver runs a vertical route in a cor- in a cornerback's zone, 
He has him man down the field. He converts to man coverage. And that ability to blanket wide receivers and man coverage, that frees us up to run a lot of the rip list stuff that we like to with our safeties, where with the rip list, basically what that means is rip for right safety, Liz for left safety. We rotate, when we're running that scheme, we rotate one of those safeties late down into the box to support against the run. It allows us to basically, uh, it allows us to basically be strong against the run, but still be flexible in the back end. And if, if we don't have corners that can man up and press coverage, Rip Liz doesn't really work. And you're right, saying that, like, right now, we have some talented guys in the other corner, but they're all young, man. Like, we, they haven't really done much of anything right now. Like, we I don't know if we can truly count them. I think we can, but we don't know. So I, we know what Baker can do. He's played in this scheme. He's done it at an extraordinarily high level. So if he goes down, I just don't know if we have a guy that can come in right now and play at the level that Baker has played at in this scheme. So for that reason, I list DeAndre Baker as the most important player. I just don't know if we have anyone that can match up what he's been able to do if he goes down. Uh, all right, man, three for three, dude. It's impressive. Uh, next up here, though, which of the following is most likely to come from nowhere and make an impact in 2018? Is it A, Matt Landers, at wide receiver, B, Robert Beal at outside linebacker, C, Keon Brown Richardson, uh, also at outside linebacker, been here for, I think, 19 years at this point, or D, Eric Stokes at cornerback? Where are you going? I'm going to go with uh, A, Matt Landers. I think uh, the other guys, you know, there's plenty of you know, plenty of other people ahead of them or that can compete with them. Where I think Landers has the one skill set that no one else in the wide receiver position does, except for Tommy Bush, who is still young and he might register similar to what Landers had to go through to put on weight and things. But I think Landers' his height and uh, red zone ability is what's going to uh, put him over the top compared to what the other guys have to offer at their respective position. Fair. And look, honestly, we haven't seen much from these guys, in, or really <laughs> any of these guys we haven't seen much of in terms of meaningful playing time and what they can do against top competition. So it's really hard to say. Like This is a lot of speculation on this one. But of all those guys, is it fair to say we've heard the most buzz coming out of practice and camp about Matt Landers? It is. And, I mean, every time you watch someone like uh, Eric Stokes, he's usually struggling. You know, I will say, like every time I've seen Eric Stokes, I thought, you know, he, he he's really trying to learn how to play his position. Because he was really raw coming out of high school. He's a, he was a track athlete with great speed, great athleticism. But he, he really needed some work in terms of his technique playing that cornerback position. And every time I've seen him up until the open practice, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's struggling. I thought he, I, I thought he struggled a lot at G-Day. Uh, but I thought he, he made some strides. Now, he's, I don't think he's ready right now, but I thought he did make some strides in the open practice compared to where what I saw from him earlier on in his career. But, yeah, I, I just I don't know if he's ready to make an impact right now or really anytime soon. I think the answer is, is like you said, Matt Landers. This is a guy who – uh, we heard some buzz about him last year, tearing it up in, in, in fall or in uh, it, on the scout team. So far in the, in the fall camp, actually, especially coming out of, the, out of the first scrimmage, what we heard, I need to see this. I can't really verify with my own two eyes, but from people around the program, it sounds like Matt Landers is a guy that really kind of stood out, especially from the wide receiver position uh, on Saturday in that first scrimmage, uh, making some big plays in the passing game. Beal, I think, can be a really good player. Now, he got here late last fall. Um, late to late to get to camp, late to get to uh, uh, to Athens, getting in the program, and I think I set him behind a little bit. So I, I, he's, I'm sure he's caught up by now. But we got a lot of big time guys in front of him right now. I think he still can be a really good player first down the road. I just don't know if he's ready to do it in 2018. Keon Richardson, he's never done it, so why would we expect him to do it now, right? Yeah, I just I just don't see it. So I think Landers is definitely to me. I thought there was an easy answer. I thought that was the obvious one. Uh, number five here. Next question on the board: Which of the following true freshmen? will be the first 
to start a game in 2018? Is it A, Tyson Campbell, B, Jamari Salyer, C, Britton Cox, D, Justin Fields, and I'll also give you an E on this one, none of the above. Um, I'm going to go with C, Brenton Cox, because he's the one that you hear the most about. I mean, you, you, he was an early enrollee. He did quite a bit in the G-Day, making some plays, things like that. Right now in fall camp, he's the one person that people are just raving about and that he's really pushing Walter Grant right now. So if he continues to do that, I see him uh, possibly having the opportunity to be the first one to start. Did you get a copy of the answer key? Did you go dumpster diving get a copy of this? I try not to. Dude, I mean, you've gotten, like, I didn't think you'd get all these. I didn't. I thought you might have a little, something a little different. But so far, dude, we are completely on board here. Uh, I have Brendan Cox as well here in, uh, on the answer key. Uh, look, I, everything you said I would just echo it, so I'm not going to go back into that because what you said was perfect there. Tyson Campbell was the one I was really considering here. But right now, Mark, Mark Webb, is he's been a guy that's been working at that number one spot when he's not injured. And I, I Campbell is, is a better athlete, probably. I mean, he's faster than, than Webb for sure. I don't know if he's as physical, and that's something that, that Kirby really covets. And Webb has been in the system for a year, uh, so Campbell's got to overcome that. I think Campbell will – I think it's fair to say that he's going to get some serious playing time, and he potentially could start down the road – I just don't know if it'll be early. I think Britton Cox, like you said, I think he could start game one. Like, is that going too far? No, I mean, his body right now and the way he's, I mean, even every time you see him out there, he just, he jumps off at you. He does. And every time, I, mean, I saw him at G-Day, saw him a little bit in the spring, saw him at the open practice. Uh, he, he, This dude, every time I've seen him in any kind of setting, even in high school, this guy, he, he he's, he's legit. You see it jump off the page at you, no doubt. And what we're hearing at a camp, uh, sounds like he's really seriously in the mix there to start right now. And, you know, Dundre Walker is going to start, but Britton Cox is definitely different than Walter Grant. I think, honestly, who starts is going to be based on what scheme do we come out in. Do we come out in the nickel package where we want Walter Grant to be able to play uh, the star position some? I think that in that case, then Walter Grant would start. But if we're coming out in a true 3-4 package, like our, our base defense, I think Britton Cox might be the guy out there. I really do. Um, and if it's not the first game, I, I, I anticipate him potentially getting a, a, a chance to, to start early on the first couple of games. So five for five, man. This is impressive, sir. Let's see if you can keep it rolling here. Uh, also, again, factor in that Brent Cox was here for the, for the spring, and that, and that position is open with no one really establishing themselves right now. Campbell, you can say the same for Tyce Campbell, cornerback, but I think Brent Cox is a little closer. But anyway, on to number six here. Uh, so we talked about the true freshmen. Let's talk about the rising sophomores, the 2017 class. Of the rising sophomores in the 2017 class, other than Jake Fromm, DeAndre Swift, and Andrew Thomas, who we who all started last or who all got some serious playing time if they didn't start last year and became names that we all are all familiar with, who is most likely to break out and be a household name in 2018? I think there's an obvious answer here, Kurt. I hope you do too. We'll see if we're on the same page. Uh, is it A. Walter Grant? B, Isaiah Wilson, C, Mark Webb, or, or D, Richard LeCount, or I'll give you an E, none of the above. Um, I have to go with Richard LeCount. I think the biggest reason is, um, I, you know, I actually kind of struggled a little bit because I thought Wilson, because he's such a big human being, people are like, wow, look at him. But compared yeah. to the rest of the offensive line, I mean, they're huge. So, I mean, that's one thing. I think Richard LeCount has the opportunity to make more plays that jump off the page and make people say, wow, look what he did. I mean, you got to go back to Notre Dame game last year where he broke up that pass towards the end of the uh, game. That, 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 the speed he has breaking on the ball. Yeah, that was, that was a huge 
play. Nasty. So, I mean, you sit there and you're like, wow, you didn't realize he had that. So the more opportunities he gets and get interceptions, big hits, because he's, he's a physical guy that likes to hit people and shows off his speed, I think those three things and other things are going to jump off the page to you and say, wow, and he, he's going to become more of a household name. Similar like what J.R. Reed, J.R. Reed went, with a Tulsa, went from a Tulsa transfer that people thought we got just to get D'Angelo Gibbs to all of a sudden, you know, talking about on ESPN and all those places about him not missing tackles and being one of our best, um, one of the best DBs coming back. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree that you got this one correct. Again, six out of six is impressive, sir. I can see you've been studying a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think this is an obvious one. Walter Grant. I, I'm not again. I'm not sure Walter Grant's going to start. I think Walter Grant's definitely going to play, and he'll 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 have packages where he's the guy out there, outside linebacker. But I don't know if he's going to. I don't even know if he's going to be the starter day one. Um, so I don't think he's going to be necessarily a household name. I think people know who he is. Household, like if you're a true fan, a, a big time deep fan. But I, I don't still know if he's going to be the guy. I think Richard LeCount is exceedingly likely to start. I think of the, all these guys that, I, that, we, that we mentioned, I think Richard LeCount and Isaiah Wilson are the most likely to start, right? Because um, they've been working with the ones for a while now, really since the spring. And both those guys are big-time names back from the recruiting days. But let's be real. Do safeties not get more love than offensive linemen? They do. I mean, that's the offensive line. Thomas got talked about because he was a true freshman coming and doing it right away. Right. But that's one of the main reasons. Other than that, you don't really get talked about unless you're an All-American. Because people don't really understand offensive line play. They don't watch the offensive line. People watch where the ball is. They don't look at the offensive line. And they don't. So they don't really see where you stand. All they see is like, oh, Georgia ran for a lot of yards, so the offensive line must be good. But Isaiah Wilson, is he going to be the one guy in offensive line that's going to stand out more than anyone else? Like, I don't know if that's the case. But a guy like Richard LeCount, if you play safety, you play in space. And people see that athleticism flash. Like you mentioned the play at Notre Dame last year. He didn't get, he didn't get a ton of playing time last year. He got some, especially early when he had some injuries in the secondary. But that play stands out in my mind, too. I've watched a game, I don't know, God, I don't know how many times, probably in double digits now at this point. Uh, but that play in particular is one of those that stands out in my mind. He comes, he's like not even in the screen. He comes and just flies out of nowhere and makes the play with his ability to cover a lot of ground. I didn't. I think you'll see that a lot this year. I think he's going to make plays, and I think it's, he's going to look pretty doing it. I think he's going to knock some people out. Uh, not really knock them out, but he's going to lay the wood on some people. He's going to he's going to break on the ball. He's going to do some great things for us, and I think he's a guy that people will know. And it doesn't hurt that he was already a big-time name. He was one of those guys that's kind of the leader of that recruiting class. So I think Richard LeCount is the answer there. Uh, the next one here, let's talk about some games. Uh of the games that no one is really talking about on our schedule, everyone talks about Auburn. Everyone, t- of course, talking about South Carolina. You hear the talk about going to Baton Rouge, a place we haven't been in a long time since 2000. Which one will give us the most trouble? Is it A, at Kentucky against Vanderbilt, or D, home? Game. I think Kentucky is just no. That's one of the big. And I think the fact is, we have them. At- I mean, a game. We had, you know, we had trouble there in 2016. I think we were a very different team. Our program's in a different place than it was in 2016. But we still had to eke out a late win there. Uh, I think we're more talented across the board. Even more veteran quarterback. I think we'll be fine. Uh, but still, you know, it, it's probably going to be a night game. I don't know if we're going to be playing any noon games anymore. I don't think that game is going to be at 3:30. So it's a good. There's a good chance that's going to be a night game. Now maybe we can slide into one of those double header slots. Where we're playing like a, a noon double header slot or a 3:30. Go back and look at the schedule. But that's the only chance that it's not. In my opinion, not going to be a night game. It's only one of those early double header CBS games. Uh, and, and it's going to be cold. And it's right after Florida, so that could be a potential trap game for sure. I buy that. However, the answer key right here says the correct answer would have been B, Georgia Tech. Uh, and look, we handled Tech last year. We gave up uh, 176 less total yards than we did in 2016. We gave up 
uh, what was it? We get 402 yards at home against 2000 in 2016 versus 226 on the road last year. But I, and we played them really well. We had a great scheme. Our players executed really well. We implemented the plan where we work on them in practice throughout the season. But playing that offense is such a challenge every year because you just don't play anyone. We all know this. You don't play anyone else who blocks that way and misdirects the way they do. And then you add in the rivalry factor, and I just believe that makes it a more difficult game than the other three. Kentucky is on the road, yes, but I just don't know how good they're going to be outside of Benny Snell. Like everyone hypes up their linebackers, Jordan Jones and, and, and those guys, and I just I don't think those guys are that good. I really don't think Allen's that good. I just I think they get hyped up because they're probably the better the, – the, a couple of the best players on Kentucky, but Kentucky's just not that good. So I just don't buy them being all that good. And Tech, you know, outside of last year, those games are typically close. I know we are a different team, a different program, but I'm going to lean Tech. It's just the unfamiliarity with that offense. It's just so different than what we normally face. But it's all right. You're still in really good shape here. Uh, all right, next question, number eight. So, we, again, we're going to go back to the two freshmen one more time. A little bit of a different question. Not who's going to be the first to start. But for number eight, which true freshman will have the biggest overall impact in 2018? Kind of like be the Jake from 2017. It's going to be A, Zamir White, B, James Cook, C, Tyson Campbell, D, Justin Fields, or E, none of the above. Um, I think if anyone I'm actually probably gonna have to go with James Cook. I think because he can just make it up in so many different parts of the game. Um, catching the ball out of the backfield, still being quick out the backfield. I think he could also be a dangerous in the return game. Um, that's why I think I have to go with him because I mean, other than that, everyone else is gonna be sharing opportunities where they won't get that many opportunities to make. Play. I mean, they'll make their plays, but you just you have to wonder how many opportunities they'll get. Where I think Cook has the chance to make it, you know, make more plays in different settings. You would take Cook over Zamir White, who's number one running back coming out of high school. I would. Just because of his versatility this year with them not being the feature backs. And Zeus not being necessarily 100%. We don't know what percentage he'll be at early in the season, right? Exactly. And, I, and the way that, especially, you know, like you mentioned, they'll try to bring Zeus along a little slower so you might see opportunities for uh, uh, Hook to come in and do things that Swift did last year. Interesting. Okay, so I if, if, if Zamir White did not tear his ACL, which is, of course, hypothetical, then I think he'd be the clear duh answer here. Uh, but he did tear his ACL. So I, I can't go with him. I thought strongly about James Cook. But the answer on the answer key here, and we got to go by the answer key, is Tyson Campbell. Uh, I really went back and forth. This Actually, I had James Cook first. And I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm not all that confident in my answer in this one. I'm really not. This is one of those like where like you ask the teacher why you got a question wrong and they can't really articulate a great defense. That's- yeah, I think the biggest thing, thing is from what we saw, especially at the open day, Campbell looked good, but he didn't look any better than Webb and things. But Cook was by far the best looking player out there. He flashed. Yeah, Cook did things that flashed that the other running backs weren't doing. Right, and I, I had Cook first. So here, no, but so here, my rationale. Here, I'm going to be the teacher who doesn't, who is trying to defend them, himself, but like isn't like truly confident in articulating an answer here because I, it's hard for me to argue with what you're saying. So it might be one of those cases where the teacher you talk the teacher into like saying, okay, well there are two correct answers here. Uh, but I, James Cook. I think like he. I don't think he's going to be like a starting running back or anything like that. But I like he's going to get looks, right? Like he's going to get the ball in his hands plenty this year. Is, is that fair? Yeah. Like that's going to happen. What I saw from him, we are going to find ways to get this guy the football. There's almost no doubt about that. Why I backed off of James Cook is I don't with all the other weapons that we have offensively. 
how many times are we really going to be able to get the ball in his hands, especially if he's not a guy right now with his size who's ready to line up and really be like a, a, a full-time feature type back running between the tackles and doing those kind of things. I think eventually he can be that guy. I don't know if his body's ready for that right now. Now, there's things that he can do really well in terms of getting in space, especially in the passing game, running some of those jet sweeps with him. I think he can do that stuff really well. But how many opportunities is he going to get doing that? That's my, that's my concern. That's why I backed off of James Cook for my initial answer. I ended up going with Tyson Campbell on this one because I think of the guys listed there, I think he has the clearest path to playing major downs and maybe even starting of the guys listed here with the, among the true freshmen. I think Mark Webb's still ahead of him right now from what I can tell. We don't really know that, but it seems like that's the case. Uh, but I think he had, of, the, of those guys, Zeus, James Cook, Tyson Campbell, and Justin Fields, I think Campbell has the clearest path to very serious playing time early on, maybe even, maybe even a starting job. Let's be real. That that cornerback spot is opposite Baker is wide open. Like there, there's no one really. Even Webb's been here a year longer than him. But I mean, there's no one, especially now with Ty, with Tyree McGee down. There's no one with any meaningful experience in front of him. There isn't that obvious guy to kind of just slide in and be the the obvious replace the obvious uh person to replace the departing starter there. So I'm gonna stick with Tyson Campbell. But dude, it's really hard to argue with with James Cook based on what we saw. So I mean, that's pretty close. Uh, all right, number nine here. Let's get on the recruiting front for just a second. Who is the most important recruit left on our board? Is it A, Nicobe Dean, B, Tyreek Stevenson, C, Clay Webb, D, Lewis Sign. Again, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. I haven't heard anyone actually pronounce it, but I'm going to go with Sign, C-I-N-E, or E, none of the above. Um, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Nakobe Dean. I think the reason is you saw last year how important you know he's probably the closest to Roquan that we've got left on our board at the inside linebacker position. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the reason why I got to go with him. We saw how important Roquan was to our defense last year, what he did for us. And I think that's the reason why I go with him compared to the others. Yeah, you got yourself back on track with this one, sir. That's absolutely correct. Um, look, we just desperately need playmakers inside linebacker, and, and more, and like more specifically, we need guys that can play that will linebacker spot at a high level, a spot that Roquan manned last year. And Dean has the measurables, and he just has that dog in him, man. Like he's just a dog out there. He's a very polished linebacker for a guy who is yet to play his senior year of high school. You add all that together. I think he's at a major position of need for us, and I think that he is an extraordinarily talented guy, uh, one of the top two linebackers, I think, in the country this year at that inside linebacker position. So, yeah, I agree with you, my man. We're going with N'Kobe Dean as the correct answer. Uh, all right, one more multiple-choice question before we move on to the true-false. Uh, question number 10. Georgia's leading wide receiver this year in terms of yardage will be A, Terry Godwin, B, Miko Hardman, C, Riley Ridley, D, Demetrius Robertson, or E, none of the above? You know, I'm actually probably going to go with D, Rob, and I think the only reason I'm going with him is because he's the more of the home run threat to rack up the yards quicker Boom. than the other Absolutely 100% correct, and that's exactly my reasoning here. I think I don't know if anyone's even going to get, like, I don't know if anyone will match what Williams was able to do last year, getting 700-plus yards. Because we're going to have so many weapons and the ball's going to be distributed all over the place. So with D-Rob, I don't necessarily expect him to start right away. I really don't. But I think his talent will rise to the top as the season wears on. And by midseason, I fully expect him to establish himself as our most dangerous threat out wide. And as you said, as the type of guy that can take the top of a defense as a plus athlete, even though he's going to be sharing the ball with a host of other talented wideouts, 
when he does get his chance, he's going to bite off big chunks with explosive plays that those are going to add up, man. Those are going to add up by the end of the season. And I think he leaves the 2018 season as our leading receiver in terms of receiving yardage. So there you go, my man. Back on track. So you're leaving multiple choice. You got 8 out of 10 with the multiple choice. So you're on track to pass, my friend. Let's keep it rolling here in the true-false section. All right, so true or false, our top two backs this year – will equal the 171 yards per game uh, that Nick and Sony combined for last year. True or false? I'm going with false. I think I, I just don't think it's going to be between two backs. It may be between three or four. Um, I just don't see us having a true go-to number two guy last year yeah. like we did with uh, Sony to equal that. You are correct, my friend. Uh, I did the math. Uh, Sony and Nick combined for 2,572 yards last year, and I did the math. What I came out with, that average out to 171 yards. Again, you guys can double-check me on that. I'm not that great at math, so you can check me on that. Uh, but it's somewhere close to that if that's not right. Uh, but the answer is false here because you're exactly right. We have too many legit options. Carries are going to be split much more evenly this year. Last year, 64% of our carries went to Sony and, Michelle, or Sony and Nick, our top two backs. 64% of our carries last year went to Sony and Nick. I expect it to be much closer to maybe 50% of our carries go to our top two backs this year, somewhere around that number. And if that's the case, I mean, they're going to have to average almost like 10 yards a carry to get 171 yards a game, uh, what, what Sony and Nick did last year. So I, I, I agree with you, my friend, and we've got false as the correct answer. Keep on rolling, my, my man. Uh, so number 12 here, true, false. Someone on the defense, when we talked about this a little bit earlier, but someone on the defense will finish with more than six and a half sacks this season. And I put six and a half sacks at the number because, again, since 2012, we have not had anyone with more than six and a half sacks on any given the season. So you're going true or false? I'm actually going to go true. And I think that's because I think DeAndre Walker breaks six and a half. Because last year, you saw him um, in not a lot of consistent playing time, especially in the early part of the season, still get to six sacks. Again, got it right, dude. You're rolling here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. DeAndre Walker last year in backup duty. Now, he did play more as the season went on, especially in the season. Uh, in the SEC title game, the national title game, the Rose Bowl. He played a lot of the, he Actually, I would say he almost played more than Devin Bellamy did, even though he didn't start. But Walker in backup duty for most of last year had five and a half sacks. Is it not fairly reasonable to say that this guy can add at least one, one and a half sacks to that total this year as a full-time starter? Uh, it's very reasonable, and I think also they may just put him in a situation to actually, you know, go after the rusher more. He's just much more of a true pass rusher. I mean, Lorenzo had the athleticism, but he never quite had the technique to be a true pass rusher there. He never was that guy. He did some good things, but he wasn't that guy. And Bellamy had some big moments for us, but he didn't have quite the athleticism. I mean, Walker... Walter... He, has, he has the burst, but he also has the bend. Yeah, absolutely. He has the bend. He has the burst. He can do a lot of different things for us there. I think he's just much more of a national, a natural pass rusher. I think he showed that to us last year. He's, Finally, put on the size to really be a uh, a guy that can be a, a, a three down line, a three down outside linebacker for us. So I think I think he is going to break six and a half. I don't think he'll, I don't know if he'll get the double digits. It'd be awesome if he did. He has the potential to do that. I don't know if I'd really predict that. But I think he'll get more than six and a half. So yes, sir, you got that correct. Uh, number thirteen. I think this is an easy question, but we'll see if you agree with me. True or false? Kendall Baker is the returning starter most vulnerable to losing his spot. I think you have to go with true. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I don't think anyone's going to really pass up Lamont. Uh, Andrew Thomas is, you know, all getting raved about. So, it, other, I mean, Big Cleveland, I, you know, it'll be a battle, but I think Baker is the most uh, vulnerable. Of what about, uh, not even just the offensive line, but the entire team of the returning starters. Is he the most vulnerable returning starter to lose his spot? 
Um, more than likely, unless you go with receivers where it's it's just a huge rotation and things like that. But uh, I think of, of, of set people, uh, he definitely is it. Yes, sir, you're correct again. Uh, I mean, because honestly, like you said, who else is it going to be? Like, maybe Ben Cleveland because he was a late starter last year. He didn't start until after the Auburn game. Uh, but I don't think it's Cleveland because I think he gives us more of what we want on the interior than Kendall Baker does. Kendall, Cleveland's just bigger, and that's clearly what we want. We've, our coaches have made that clear since almost day one. Uh, and right now there's there's some talk over the past couple of days that Cade Mays has been getting some work, a lot of work with the ones uh, at left guard, which is odd because he was, he was working at right tackle. But I really think Cade Mays I've off, I've really I've said this before, but I think that he, I know everyone he wants to play tackle. I'm sure he was recruited that way. And people will get excited about tackles. You get drafted higher usually than guards. But I think his body might fit better as a guard. I don't think he has the the the, the arm length to really be a, a true like dominant tackle. Definitely not left tackle. And I'm not even sure about right tackle. But I think he could be a really good uh, interior player at the guard position. So and it wasn't it hasn't just been one day. You and I were talking about this before the show. He's been working in what two or three days in a row working with the ones at left guard. So that could be an interesting development there. Kendall Baker might already be well on his way losing that job. We don't know. That's just speculation because we're not seeing practice. But there's some, there's some, some, there are some rumors making their way out of Butts Mirror right now. Uh, but, yeah, that's definitely the correct answer right now. At this point, uh, number 14 here. True or false, we will lose one of the following three road games. At South Carolina, at Missouri, or at LSU. Dude, I hate to be that person too, but I am that person, and you are correct. Uh, what is it though? Because I, I I struggle with this one because again, I didn't want to be that that person, that I mean, homer. I think, I think the reason is you got to look at the teams and when we're catching them. LSU is probably the weakest team they've had in the last decade. South Carolina is getting a lot better, but you got to look at their defense also. Think of all the people that that they're losing while their offense, like you know. We're in the same situation, but our offense is better off, especially with the offensive line helps us stabilize things where they're relying on their skill players instead of, you know, a strong offensive line. Right. Um, and then you go look at Mizzou. I mean, Mizzou's always had a great offense, but their defense is still has some ways to go, which, you know, you know, gives you the opportunity to make it where it's not a loss. And up there, it's not like a true it's not like one of those diehard road games. Like it's, Mizzou is different from the other two. I love going to Missouri, but it's definitely not like a hostile environment. It's not. It's really not. Uh, and they're and they're doing construction of the stadium this year, so there's not as many people in the stands. Even they're like they took out half. Of the, they took out one uh, entire end zone to do construction right now, so it's not even going to be as many people as it has been in the past, and it wasn't allowed then. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think this is false. We look. I, I will be honest. We could lose to any of these three teams if we play below our standard and they play their best game. That's true. We could. But I can't predict that's going to happen. I, I can't sit here and say that. The fact is, at least how I how I see things, is if we play remotely close to our capabilities, none of those teams can match us even on their best day. I just don't see it. I, I think it's going to be about us and not about them. If we play like trash, then we could lose. But if we play our game or somewhat close to it, I think we win all three of these games. Now, I would be lying if I said I was not at least a little nervous. So that's just my nature. I get worried about every single game. I actually today I was getting worried about Austin P. I heard an interview of the coach, and I was like, "Oh my god, we're going to take this team seriously. They're all jacked up. Oh my god, like, we're, oh my god, we just can't let this happen. We can't. We have to blow this team out." And that, that's ridiculous to think that, but like that's just how my mind works. So of course I'm a little nervous about these games. But when I looked at it intellectually, we are just better and we are more complete than all three of those teams. And while none of them are shoe ins. If we are who we think we are, we win these games, right? 
Yeah. Like, if you truly want to be considered among the elite in college football, you win these games. It's that simple. Yeah, will they be tough? Sure. But if you're as good as you think you are, you win these games. It's just, it's that simple. It is. Uh, All right, next one here, number 15. True or false, after accounting for 41 receptions for a total of 485 yards in 2016 and then dropping down to 22 catches for 245 yards combined in 2017, in 2018, our tight ends will combine to account for at least 50 catches and 600 yards receiving in 2018. True or false? Uh, I'm going false. I think the biggest thing is we just have so many weapons and wide receiver that there's the ball ball just can only go around so many so much. I'd really like for you to get one of these wrong, man. You can't you just you can't be right all the time. But yeah, you're right here. I, I mean, I'm just gonna be real with you. You are. You're right. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on uh, the first show this week. I really think that the tight ends are going to see less playing time on third and long situations. I think our receivers, our, our top four or five receivers, are just that good. Like, you can't keep those guys off the field. We're going to throw more this year, so you think maybe the tight ends get more looks. Those guys are a year older, maybe they get more looks. You get bringing Luke Ford, a highly rated guy, throw him some balls. But again, with our wide receiver core looking so good, I'm not sure that our fourth or f- fifth wide receiver isn't a better option on obvious passing downs than our number one or number two tight end. Like, honestly, Kurt, would you, who would you rather have? Let's say that, I don't know, let's say that Riley, or I don't know, uh, Miko Harbin or Riley really is our number four wide receiver. That's how our coaches see it. Are the, are, is our number one tight end maybe Isaac Nauta? Is he a better re- true receiving option than, than those guys? Not at all. I don't, I don't think he is. Now, you get mismatches because you, you get guys, you know, you have the run threat and the, or the pass threat on early downs, on those standard down situations. But when you get to obvious passing downs, Put a guy in there that, that actually threatens someone through the air, threatens them vertically, and I think our fourth or fifth receiver is just a better is a better threat, a more dangerous threat than our number one, number two, our number one or number two tight end. So I I think our tight ends will get more looks. I do. Uh, I think like D Rob's ability to take the top off the off the field had to will draw some attention from safeties, and they'll be able to operate in the middle of the field in those early downs. I could see him closer to maybe like uh, 40 or so catches up from the 22, 40, 45, maybe around 500-ish yards combined. But I just don't see 50-plus and 600-plus receiving yards. I just don't know if they'll get enough enough looks. I don't know if there's, like you said, I don't, I don't know if there's enough balls to go around. Uh, number 16 might be the easiest question in my mind on this entire test. you got to throw an easy question out here somewhere. True or false, Jake Fromm will hold on to the starting job through the entire 2018 season. Oh, I'm going to go with true. I mean, like I said, it. It'll take a lot for Fields to truly overpass him as the true go-to number one starter. Yeah, uh, so that's why I should go with that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I just not much to say. I think we've talked this plenty. Fields is really, really, really good. But do we want to go into the season a third straight season with a true freshman at quarterback? Do we really want that, uh, or do you want a guy who wanted a high level as a true freshman, got a ton of experience in big time moments, never wilted under the under the lights? A guy that can now he's not the quite the athlete that Justin Fields is, but he's a guy that can go out there and get put the ball in the right spots, understands defenses, processes defense, he's done it with the bullets are flying. I just don't know if you want to take that guy out of the field. And maybe Justin Fields when he gets a chance to play, which I do think he'll get a chance to play. Maybe he just lights it up so much, and you're like, Oh my god, he's got he's gotta be the starter. I just don't see it happening. I don't see it happening this year. Now after this year, we'll see. All bets are off. But I think Fromm's gonna be the guy from day one. Um, he'll he'll give away a little bit here and there to Fields at times in certain situations, but I think Fromm's going to be the starter game one, and I think he'll be the starter hopefully game 15 if we get that far. Uh, one more true-false. we got number 17 on the way. True or false, we will have at least three true freshmen start at least one game on defense at some point in 2018. 
I'm gonna go true. I think uh, you can you can look at people like Brayton Cox, Tyson Campbell, and then any of the two inside linebackers, and even Adam Anderson if he makes a huge. I'm jump. sorry, sir. You got this one wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I think Campbell and Cox are strong contenders to start. Right? They're like they could definitely start. Right? They're the most likely options. But then who else do you go? Like, do you go Tyndall or Walker at inside linebacker? Is that where you're looking? You really could. I mean, you got to think about it at the end of the season how many times have people really made their jump at the end of the season. Yeah, I, it, and, it, and it's and certainly possible. Guys, if you're wanting these guys to be your heir apparent, which you can see with the way the guys are coaching them, they're going to get their opportunities. And if they do, you make the most of it, you could very well see them uh, become the starters, especially if no one else has solidified themselves. I, I totally get where you're coming from, man. And look, you know I'm big on Channing Tindall and Quay Walker. I've talked these guys up since signing day, man. I am huge on both these guys. And maybe they'll get a start at some point in the season. I don't think they're going to be ready to start the season. I really don't. Do you? Do you think they're going to be ready to start the season? No. I don't think they will be. But you're right. As the season goes on, especially now with this red shirt rule or whatever, I think that there's a chance they could take over and, and get some momentum. You, talk, you mentioned Natrius Patrick is kind of a model for that in his career, right? When he took over as a sophomore in that, in that game against Tech and kind of just uh, kind of took it from there. But like, I, I could see Tindler Walker maybe at some point. But the thing is, I think it's going to take a little while for them to get ready. And, and by then, maybe someone at inside linebacker has kind of established themselves at that position. Maybe it's Monty Rice. I don't know. Cause I think Monty Rice is more of a true Mike, and so is Natrez. And I don't know if they work together that way. I just don't know about that. Maybe it's Tay Crowder. I don't know. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. I think the odds are it's Monty Rice. So, but but if it takes a while for these guys to get ready, maybe Monty Rice or Tay Crowder, whoever it is, maybe they end up kind of establishing themselves. It's hard to get them out of that spot. Uh, another guy I like is Jordan Davis. I think I've heard some a lot of good things about him. He gives us something that we don't really have in that size to play a true zero tech nose guard. But that dude needs some polishing. I, I just don't know if he's he's not going to start. I just don't, he might he might get some time. Maybe I don't know. But I don't think he's I don't think he's a threat to start. Uh, then you got Otis Reese, my man Otis Reese. Uh, he's looking good out there, but who does he play over in the secondary right now? I don't, I don't see who he plays over. So I think Campbell and Cox are two that I would, feel, I, I feel confident in. They're going to start at some point. The other ones, Tyndall Walker, I could see. I just not, I'm not, I'm not ready to say yes, they will. So you almost talked me into it, but that one, I'm going false. All right, last three here, man. Now these are tough. I'm not going to lie to you. You're in good shape though. You're in good shape right now through 17 questions. You are 14 out of 17, so you are in very good shape. Basically, if you don't miss all these, you're going to pass. But these are the the fill-in-the-blanks. These are tougher. So number 18, after the bye week in Jacksonville at the cocktail party, blank will be our number one running back, and blank will be our clear number two running back. So this one's a double-decker, man. So who you got? Uh, Number one, I'm going to stick with Swift. Um, I think it's hard to go another route. Right, so Uh, far. And number two, I actually probably go with Zeus. Woo! All right, I didn't know if you'd get it, man. But yes, sir, you got it correct. Uh, yeah, DeAndre Swift is going to – I just like, – is someone really going to take that spot from him in the number one spot? I just don't know if I see that. It would be hard. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's not, I'm not saying it's impossible. Things could happen. Maybe James Cook goes out there and he balls out. Who knows? Maybe Holyfield just becomes a beast. And we, we all love what we saw from Holyfield in the past, but he hasn't really done it in meaningful time right now or to this point, so we'll see. Uh, but I, I feel pretty confident saying Swift's going to be that number one guy. Zeus, I don't know if I'm as confident. I think Holyfield um, could certainly 
uh, be in the way of this. But I think by the time we get to Jacksonville, I think Zeus is going to be much closer to 100%. I think he'll have, have had some time to show what he can do, and I think he's going to be that guy getting those number two back carries. Or getting, I, I, if I want to mean my number two back, it's just getting the second most carries behind Swift, being that guy that we lean on to kind of be uh, the kind of tag team guy with DeAndre Swift. So you got it, man. It's a tough one. I didn't know if you get it, but well done. All right, two more here. Number 19. Of the wide receivers who have never started or been part of the regular rotation, I'm talking about guys like J.J. Holloman, Jason Stanley, Tyler Simmons, Trey Blunt, Landers, Bush, Crumpton, Jackson, those guys. So of those wide receivers who have never started or really been a part of the regular rotation, blank is the most likely candidate to break into the regular rotation. Um, I think you have to go with J.J. Holloman. I think the biggest reason is uh, just what he brings body-wise. And if he could, you know, uh, I think last year he had that injury, which really got him uh, behind. But uh, I think he has everything that you would ask for to possibly make a jump into the lineup. He has everything from a physical standpoint, no doubt about it. I love this guy from a physical makeup point of view. I love his ability to go up and high point the ball. He's big, he's physical, he's athletic, he's fast. But I... I just don't know right now if he's ready to be that guy. We, he dropped a couple balls at the opening practice. Again, that was just one practice. I mean, I'm not going to go off. I'm not going to draw too many conclusions off that. Uh, but this is a guy that, that wasn't really close game playing time last year. I mean, he never really got much on the field outside of special teams. So the answer I'm looking for here, and this is going to, you're not going to like this. I know you're not big on this guy, is Jason Stanley. He's the guy that Kirby mentioned by name when asked about receivers at SEC Media Days. He's a guy that, at this point, has just, let's be real, he's earned Kirby's eternal affection based off his team-first mentality, his physicality, and his dominant special teams play. All three things that Kirby's big on, he's done that. Uh, He has all the tools, we talked about this, he has all the tools minus the consistency with his hands. I'm still not sure that he's a guy that when when the lights are on, he's going to be able to go out there and actually catch the football because he hasn't done it yet in his career. But... If you get that straightened out, and he apparently he's catching balls in practice. What I'm hearing coming out of practice is, is that this guy is making plays, and the coaches liking what they see. So if he can get that straightened out, his 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 tendency to drop balls, I'd say watch out for this guy because he has everything else, and he has been working with the ones, he's been working with the twos. We saw that at, at the open practice. So while I'm really high on Holloman and his future, I think for this year in his senior season, I think Jason Stanley is the guy that's most likely to break into that rotation. And kind of has the eye of Kirby and the rest of the coaches. Um, all right, you're in really good shape, though, man. Uh, number 20 here, last one. Blank is the player most likely to declare early for the NFL draft after the 2018 season. Um, yeah, I snuck this one in on you. I think this is a new one. I, I guess you probably have to go with DeAndre Baker. DeAndre Baker. No, Baker's a senior, though, isn't he? Oh, wait. Never mind. I'd probably go J.R. Reed, though. Okay, going J.R. Reed. Fair answer. Fair answer. However, that's incorrect. On the answer key right here, it says Demetrius Robertson is the player most likely to declare early for the NFL draft. You don't see that? Do you not buy that? Demetrius is leaving early after this year? Uh, he could, but you're also saying that he has a huge breakout here. I think that he is a dude that wants. I, I I think he wants to be three and done. I think he wants to get out. I think if he has even like a, a, a solid year, I think and shows what he can do. I think this guy is going to bolt and go to the NFL. I think he's a one and done type guy for us transferring from Cal. I could be completely wrong on that, and I kind of hope I am. I mean, well, I don't know. I hope he has a good enough year to where he's dominant enough to be able to leave early. But I'd love to have him around for two years. 
So, and that's me taking a flyer on that. I could be wrong on that. I just see him. My read on the situation, he's a he plans on being a one and done type dude. Um, but uh, we don't know that for sure. Jr. Reed's a good answer too. But let's add these up here. So you got fourteen. All right, my man. You got you ended up with fifteen out of twenty. So yes, sir, you passed. Uh, what is that? It's a seventy-five. Need a seventy to pass. Well done. Uh, you actually did better than I thought you would, man. I don't mean that as an insult. That's kind of a backhanded compliment, but did well, my friend. Uh, but all right, guys, that's it for us here on the Glory UGA podcast. We definitely appreciate you tuning in today. We had fun doing this. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. Uh, feel free to share your answers with us. I'm sure uh, my, my answer key is certainly flawed here. So be, feel, uh, feel free to sh- uh, share with me where you think I was wrong on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. We do appreciate you taking time to listen to us. Again, check us out uh, online uh, on Podbean. Subscribe right now for $2 a month through the entire football season. Uh, and they get a lot of uh, premium content that you cannot find anywhere else. Be sending in all of your... Uh, listener mailbag questions for our final mailbag show before the season starts. We'll be doing that next week. Again, that's at glory underscore UGA. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, go dogs.